Welcome to the Data Strategy Show. My name's Samir Sharma, and I'll be your host for the next 60 minutes. My guest today is Andrew Wright. Andrew manages the Walt Disney World's commercial strategy data science team. In his 14 years with the company, he has also supported marketing and operations analytics. Prior to joining Disney, Andrew worked in financial services and consulting firms, where he learned the value of performance storytelling backed with data. He has been selected to present at several Disney data and analytics conferences and is often invited to speak to corporate and non-profit organizations about the value of analytics. Holding an undergraduate degree in foreign affairs, as well as an MBA and Master of Applied Science, Andrew enjoys finding non-obvious solutions for businesses' biggest decision-making challenges. I hope you enjoy this episode, and please do like, share, and leave your feedback. Thank you for listening. Welcome, Andrew Wright, to the Data Strategy Show. It's uh, really fantastic to have you here. Um, Andrew, why don't you uh, just say hello to everybody? Sure. Well, well, thanks for having me, Samir. Um, Andrew Wright, uh, working with Disney as a as a senior data scientist, focusing on commercial endeavors, um, and I'm super excited to, to get to talk to you today, Samir. That's great. No, and, and thank you for for being my guest today. It's um, it, we we talked about this um, pre Christmas, and we're finally here. Um, so it's it's really great. And um, you know, what what I always like to start with is is Andrew. You know, t- tell me a little bit about yourself, your journey, you know, through data, um, mm-hmm. obviously at about 30,000 feet, uh, and then we'll get straight into it. Yeah, sure. Um, so right now, I, I uh, currently I've been 14 years at uh, Walt Disney uh, Parks. Um, current segment name is Disney Parks Experience and Products. So we're continuing to, to bolt on other businesses to our responsibilities. Um, but I started my uh, sort of data career um, while I was in college, um, I was working on a foreign affairs, so uh, a political science type of career, but I okay. had a, uh, a sort of a night job mm-hmm. um, where I was doing some data entry for a, a, a financial publishing firm. And I started to, within that particular position, um, both while I was working part-time and then they offered me a position as I came out of college, um, learning that data has power. And mm-hmm. as I've moved through my career there uh, and in subsequent positions, I've also learned that that storytelling with data or being able to tell a compelling story uh, derived from data or, or defended by data has enormous influence on the people who are running our organizations, um, running our charities, running our philanthropic uh, organizations and people who can do this type of work um, and do it well are, are very rare. Uh, and so mm. I've tried to position myself professionally as always being that person who can bring to the table a compelling story, but one that is rooted in empirical data evidence. And that's brilliant. And I, I love the fact that you were so, so political science, you went from political yeah. science to data. Well, that's yeah. quite a leap. Um, it was. Yeah. You know, and unless uh, unless, you know, as a political scientist, it's not that difficult to make the leap into data science because it's all about data, you know, at the same time, really, isn't it? Apart yeah. From what... Well, Sorry, for, for, for me, for me, yeah. it was the fact that I saw people who were way, way smarter than I was or am um, uh, not struggling with the Foreign Service exam. And I said, well, then that's this is just not for me. I need to figure out some other path. 
Uh, and but I was able to find um, you know, something that that speaks to me personally, professionally, sure. something that seems to be um, uh, well received by by forward thinking organizations. And mm -hmm. so I'm, I'm really excited to be able to, to, to bring a perspective um, that combines sort of the, the, the critical thinking that one yeah. finds in something like political yeah, science. Exactly. Um, but with uh, with with elements, with empirical evidence, with with data. So do you think that? Uh, you know, as a, a political scientist, as, as having that base and say, if I'm, you know, um, I'm, 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 you know, finishing my degree at university and I actually am studying um, data uh, analytics or I'm doing some kind of business analytics degree or, or you know, I'm doing computer science. What types of things would you suggest to that individual who wants to become a data scientist yeah. Um, you know, 14 years in your career, but starting out very much, uh, you know, at that level where, oh my goodness, I really like this thing called data, but what do I need to get there? Right, right. What are the kinds but of attributes that you might, you know, say right now, today, 14 mm -hmm. years on, qualify for being a really good data scientist? Yeah, I, it's a great question. And, and I appreciate that because um, oftentimes people who are in my position don't get asked that question but at the same time, um, we're, we're trying to find appropriate candidates. We're trying to onboard new talent, et cetera. We're trying to make things better. Mm -hmm. And so it's always nice to be able to go back and say, well, if you're in this position right now, these are the things that I, as a, as a hiring manager or someone who wants to work with you, would be looking for. So, so thank you for asking that. Um, I, I would say that one thing is certainly critical thinking. And sure. that's something that, that you know, when I was in school uh, working on political science, um, we spent a lot of time writing um, and, and using critical thinking to sort of deconstruct thoughts um, mm -hmm. or to take an audience from point A to point B to point C, so on and so forth, as opposed to sort of nonlinear thinking and jumping from A to you know, Z at the, at the very end. Um, so critical thinking is certainly, certainly one of those things um, that I look for when I'm hiring data science talent. Mm -hmm. um, and the second is the ability to communicate. And that, that takes many, many different forms. Um, and I, I don't. I don't want to say that there's only one way to communicate. That, there, that you actually be focusing on on one sort of mode. Um, but communication takes uh, forms of visualization. It takes forms of speaking. It takes forms of you know formal presentation, ballroom style. It takes the form of facilitating conversations and holding Q and A and critical listening and active listening. Mm -hmm. So. Mm -hmm. I think that's that's another skill that um, that we absolutely look for when we're trying to bring somebody into into our organization is um, is that communication and their communication style and making sure that it balances out with our um, with, with how we internally communicate. Yeah, yeah. But you know, the, 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 there's there's stories and there's critical thinking and there's the ability to communicate. How um, how important then? You know, is it for me to come to, to come into the interview, come into, you know, my first day at the job, knowing every single R, Python, SQL, blah, 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 all of these things. How important is that versus these softer skills? Yeah, I, I would certainly put them as sort of tertiary. Um, mm -hmm. You need to be able to hold an intelligent conversation about a concept. Um, but but by and large, the Every business I'm, you know, every business that I've worked in has been materially different in so many ways yeah. in terms of how they store their data, where they persist it, how you access it. But there are there are common themes that sort of 
stretch across every single position that I've ever been in, both from when I've been in junior roles to roles like I am now senior, when I've worked in finance, you know, mm-hmm. banking, when I've worked in real estate, and now working you know, with theme parks and entertainment and hospitality. And what is sort of common across all of those is critical thinking skills, it is communication skills, it is the ability to convey your thoughts in a manner that is received by your audience Mm -hmm. and received Mm -hmm. well. It's the ability to influence by not just what you know, but how you express Mm -hmm. what you know. And so, you know, dickering about, well, should we be using uh, linear regression here? Should we be using a decision tree here? Should we be using some more, you know, arcane, you know, know, new cutting edge algorithm Mm -hmm. here? Mm That, that takes up very, very, very little of our time. What we're, what we're usually talking about most of the time is what is the business question? Do we really understand it completely? Yeah. Can we provide concrete examples that, that solve the business problem that we're trying to solve? Mm-hmm. That's where we start. And then we go figure out the algorithms and the, well, are we going to use R? Are we going to use Python? Are we going to use this package? Are we going to use that package? Yeah. So yeah. that's, that is the tale of the, you know, the big dog, which is critical thinking, communication, understanding a business partner, working with a business partner in a um, uh, in a, in a in a very um, influential way. Yeah, and I and I think I I love that because I get asked so many times on LinkedIn, um, can you tell me what what things mm-hmm. I need to learn to become a data analyst or a you know a data scientist? And I often you know, do talk about the softer skills and I never hear back from that person again because, you know, I, I can always learn even, you know, I can always learn how to program. I can always yeah. learn that, that, that aspect of it, but actually sitting in front and, you know, one thing that you mentioned about listening, that, that ability to listen and really understand and ask the, the questions at the right time is so key to getting right. that, the right outcome, you know, and, and it, and it's something that, um, uh, I'd like to explore it in a little bit more with you because you recently uh, did a presentation. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was it Fiesta. I think it was the uh, DDAC. We have yeah, a DDAC. Disney. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was a Disney conference, but the yeah. title of it was your organization wants analytics, but needs mm-hmm. insights. And in brackets, right. in parentheses, you said how to transition to insightful thinking. Yeah. So, you know, that's I just elaborate on that you know what what sure. what is your what is your hypothesis around what what's the what's the thinking behind that because that's yeah. a that packs a, a massive punch um as a sure. title well thank you uh, thanks I, I i did a little stint in marketing so i know how to you know i know a couple of the tricks on how to you know, get eyeballs and pack, pack a room at a, i need to learn from you i need to learn from you i can tell you how not to do it as well um, so, so something that I've noticed throughout my own professional career, um, and I, I've, I've talked with peers, I've talked with peers at different levels, I've, I've talked to people in uh, academia, as well as in, you know, the, the more standard you know, kind of industry. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the things that, that, that I have just kind of seen throughout the entire trajectory is, it can be fairly easy to find technically oriented analytical talent, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's very easy to check off. You have this degree, you know, this particular programming language, you know, this particular algorithm. But at the end of the day, in most cases, most businesses, the businesses that I've worked with and the partners that I've worked with, that is a means to an end, right? And the end is what is generally referred to as insight, mm-hmm. right? They, 
in, in, in my perspective, what, what they're going for when they use terms like insight is they wanna make decisions better. They wanna make them smarter. They wanna minimize risk. They wanna feel that out of the thousands of things that they could be doing at any particular decision point, you know, fork in the road, that they're taking the best path that's going to yield the best result. However, that's measured. It's sure. measured in many different ways. So it's not about, I need to use this particular algorithm or it's, I need to know this programming language or I need to you know, have SQL. It's more, I need to be able to help this decision maker feel confident in the decisions that they're making. And I need to give them sort of the, the unvarnished pros and cons to the different decisions that they can make, the different paths that they can take. Mm -hmm. And so in my experience, that's really what people want when they say they want insights. They want incremental knowledge that uh, sort of changes or, or enhances their view of how the world works so that they can make better decisions. So that's, so that's that's what I think that most organizations are really looking for out of analytic talent. Yeah, and, and I think that that expression, you know, I, I want to see the insights. And I think what, what you're saying is tell me something that I don't already know. Yeah. Tell me something that I don't know about my business that is going to be a game changer. And that's right. going to allow me to either pivot or to, to think in a different, you know, certainly from a commercial sense, because Walt Disney is absolutely commercial in that sense. And you said it before, you know, parks, you know, recreation, hospitality, the ecosystem that you work in is a right. really, really interesting one. Because yeah, not I only are you, you know, you, you, you're, uh, you, you've got the theme park and you've got the hotel and you've got the whole experience. How do you connect all of that together and, sure. and provide the, the insights that, you know, um, that the executive or, or the commercial individual needs to drive mm -hmm. their part of the business? Um, you know, it's, it's, it must be fascinating. It is, it is fascinating. I mean, the, the, the psychology behind um, our guests, what we refer to as our customers, is our guests. Mm -hmm. The psychology behind our guests, and um, you know, I contrast it with where I was before I, I came to Disney. I worked for um, a, a large bank, and people certainly have very—they um, uh, may have strong opinions about their financial institution. So, insofar as you know, they want someone pleasant to speak with when they mm -hmm. have a problem. They want—they um, want to make sure that their money is safe and secure. Uh, that it's not going to get lost. Um, and in the case of investments, they want to make sure that, that those investments are growing. But many of those things are by and large sort of um, objective uh, objectives that, that, they're, that, they're, that they're going for. When you think about something like a, a brand such as Disney, whether it be um, the content that we put into our movies mm -hmm. um, and into our television shows, when you think about um, the intellectual property that we have in our parks and the experiences, the, you know, all the wonderful things that, that people can do in our parks around the world. When you think about the programming that we have on television, when you think about uh, you know, Disney streaming, and so huge. on and so forth, yeah. it, it, it is massive. And so you know, people's, uh, people's objectives, what, what they value, what they want out of their relationship with our brand is is a bit different from a financial institution yeah. or a far, or a pharmaceutical company or their, their, their automotive selections, et cetera. And so we obviously want to be good stewards of that, but um, it's a very different psychology and it takes a, a number of different teams working in collaboration with each other, some on, you know, the harder, pure type of sciences, 
Um, some of those sciences may be you know, operationally focused. So we have operations researchers and industrial engineers. Okay. We have consumer insight teams who are focusing, focusing on psychometrics and kind of keeping a pulse uh, on, on our guest and consumer base. And then you've got you know, folks like myself who are focused on what is it that can be done to um, drive the highest and greatest value out of our, our assets. So mm. our intellectual property, our parks, our hotels, food and beverage, the merchandise that we sell, et cetera. So it is a, it is a, a whole symphony of different teams coming together to think about that problem and, and lend their particular voice uh, so that, again, our most senior, most executive uh, decision makers can think through all the possible, possible paths that they could take and come up with the ones that are securing you know, the best experience for our guests, the best uh, return for our shareholders, uh, the best uh, sort of working conditions and experience for our cast members, our employees. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's hopefully what they're doing every single day. So uh, th- that sounds like a pretty complex ecosystem you've just talked about. It is. How do you orchestrate that? You talked about it being a symphony. You know, yeah. be- being at the level where you're at, you're, you know, um, you're looking at this thing and saying, right, I may be dealing with transactional data today. Mm-hmm. And I may be dealing with that customer type of data, but then suddenly I'm dealing with streaming data and suddenly mm-hmm. I'm dreaming with, you know, I, I'm dealing with different types of data coming from every single direction. And I've got, right. you know, the value piece, which I need to deliver because mm-hmm. my commercial team are saying we need X, Y, and Z, but then you've got the engineers, you've got the, you know, the, 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 the sort of, um, what did you call them? The industrial engineers and the, um, the, the sort yeah, of more man. scientific types mm-hmm. yeah yeah mm-hmm. and then you've got your, your your data engineers and then you've got your you know data scientists and you've got bi people and how are you orchestrating that so that you're absolutely being able to hit those goals and objectives sure um so we rely very heavily upon our partners in technology um who help produce data platforms for us mm-hmm. um and and in many cases um, they're, they're also a consumer of these same products as well, these, these same sort of technology products as well, data products, so that um, they have a vested interest because they're also, they have their own mandates for, for what it is they're trying to do. But um, it, it all sort of starts with the business question. Mm-hmm. What is it we're trying to answer? Um, are we trying to answer operationally focused um, types of questions, which may have a very different latency? Then are we trying to make finance decisions? Are we trying to make um, you know, marketing decisions? Um, these are all work off of very different cadences. So we try to start with uh, what is the business need? What is the latency associated with that business decision? Sure. Um, and then kind of work backwards from there. Um, mm-hmm. But always, always, always hand in hand with our technology teams who are, are great at delivering um, technology products that, that have the data, have the data at the right cadence um, and are exposing it to only the people who need to have access to it, uh, putting those appropriate sort of safety and, and, and guardrails on top of them as well. Um, so a lot of it is really driven by their expertise mm-hmm. and um, their partnership. And, and look, I know that, th- that there are ideal scenarios in every company around mm. how teams work together. But what are some of the challenges that you've had to overcome within that? And I don't, I, you know, I, I'm sure lots of people out there who will be listening to this will have similar challenges. So, mm. you know, it's just trying to piece that together and say, well, actually, this is how we got over it. And this is what we did. And, mm. you know, it could be an IT challenge. It could be a data quality challenge. It could mm-hmm. be a thinking, it could be a systemic problem. You know, how do you kind of 
deal with those challenges? Yeah, there, there are certainly. And you, you just know, pick a not, couple of examples. I know, yeah. You know, this is a loaded question. Sorry. <laughs> Disney is uh, Disney's not immune to that. I don't think there's yeah. any organization is. I mean, I think, you know, the uh -huh. ones that we that we think of when we think of, well, you know, they, they must have everything solved. They must, you know, have everything buttoned up. I'm sure even those organizations have their own moments of, of, of struggle at the very mm. least. Mm. Uh, and Disney's no exception to that. But mm -hmm. uh, I think one of the... Um, one of the sort of the, the, the back end of the sword for um, all the fantastic developments that have gone on in terms of data creation, data collection, um, algorithmic synthesis of those uh, of that data, the computing power that we're seeing mm -hmm. now compared mm -hmm. to just even five years ago, oh, yeah. 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, the, the second edge to that particular sword is that there also seems to be a, a rise in the culture of, well, the data will solve my problem. The okay. algorithm will solve my problem. Yeah. And one of the things that I talked about in my Disney analytics conference uh, uh, talk was that I personally have never seen data in a database or a specific algorithm that actually created this thing that we call insight, mm -hmm. right? Like in, insight is the end product of a factory of many different steps, yeah. some technology oriented, some data oriented, but, but just as many um, human and intuition and the cognitive processing that, that, you know, the power that we've got up here, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, that is as much a, a driver of insight than anything else. So I've certainly had experiences where someone says, well, you've got this database, you've got this, you know, degree in statistics, you've got this instance of Python, <laughs> what more could you need? Yeah, yeah answer, you're in heaven, you know, you're in question. utopia. You oh, should yeah, just do it like that. <laughs> Absolutely. So it's like, well, can't you just build a model too? Right. Like that's yeah. that's not quite what a model is. So 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 the the um, one of the things that we regularly um, work uh, with our partners on, who are maybe less data savvy. Yeah. Um, uh, one of those things is just education on what mm. is data, what mm. can it do, what can it not do, what is statistics or machine learning or data science, what can it do, what can it not do, what things are not substitutes for critical thinking what things are not substitutes for good problem definition. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and so that is, that is a, a problem that we run into regularly. The great thing is that, you know, Disney brings in people who are open um, and who, uh, who want to learn, who are hungry for this, this, this type of, uh, uh, of knowledge. Uh, of, yeah. Exactly. Knowledge. Yeah, Thank yeah. you. And, um, mm. and so it's, it's great working with people and sort of like illuminating them on, Oh, I, you know, I, I thought you could just do this, this, and this, and, you know, out pops my answer. It's going to be a little more complicated than that. And yeah. people are always super receptive to that. Sure. And, you know, Disney, obviously, it, uh, being the, the, the mammoth organization, that huge ecosystem that you have, um, would you be able to touch upon, without obviously giving any commercial um, uh, commercials away, uh, uh, you know, would you be able to touch on some of the analytics or give us some examples of what you might be doing that's, you know, really pushing what you want to do with that customer experience and how you're going to help those guests have a much better time or something else. It might be operational. It might be, you know, staffing or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let me see if I can't come with, uh, with at least one, if not, uh, if not two different examples. So I, I, I think um, as, as everybody um, realizes we're in a very different situation here globally with uh, with COVID nineteen, uh, the impact from that. Yeah, and, and 
you know, Disney Parks has not been immune to that whatsoever. Mm. Mm. Uh, and so something that we're focusing on at Walt Disney World, uh, which is the site where, where, where I work and that I support uh, down in uh, Orlando, Florida, is this concept of making sure that our, our, our guests, when they visit our parks and our resorts, are, um, are safe um, and that, that we abide by um, federal as well as uh, state and local standards for mm-hmm. health and safety and hygiene, um, et cetera. And we, we have one of the cool things about Disney is that just about any job you can think of, we probably got a person <laughs> doing that. And so, you know, we, and have, more. we have- And more, and <laughs> more. So we have, you know, chief, chief medical officers, we have physicians on staff who are advising, et cetera. So, you know, we listen, we listen to them as, mm-hmm. as well. And so um, I can't get into all the details of it, but you can imagine that when you've got these four theme parks that just a year ago, it was sort of anybody who buys their ticket can, can come to the park and we want them to explore the park and we want them to feel like they're immersed in, in, a, in you know, whether it be our fantasy land that has a certain theme or our adventure land has a certain theme or the, you know, the world showcase within Epcot, which has its mm-hmm. own you know, sort of theming, et cetera. We, we want them to feel like they're in a different world in a world that's safe and a, a world where they can kind of leave a lot of um, uh, a lot of the outside world outside. Um, it's different today. Um, and so we, we need to be respectful, not just of the ideals of, of Disney in terms of our storytelling and the immersiveness and, and the wonderful experiences, but we also need to make sure that our past are safe, that our guests are yeah. safe, that we are abiding by those various standards. And so the process by which we manage our parks now mm-hmm. um, is very different from, from how we thought about the operations of our parks just a year ago. So ensuring that we can keep things clean and that we can keep guests at least six feet apart from each other, um, et cetera, is, is, is a fascinating undertaking. I'm, I'm, I'm disappointed that, that, that we live in a world where we have to do that type of work. Yeah. But at the same time, as a data scientist, it's, it's just a, it's a fascinating new data set um, and a new set of problems um, for someone like myself or our industrial engineers and our operations researchers um, and, and many more um, help, uh, help solve. So getting people in the parks, getting them in there safely, keeping them distance, making sure that our cast members are, 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 are also equally uh, safe and healthy, mm-hmm. et cetera, is, mm-hmm. a, is a fascinating data science problem. It must be because you've got a lot of spatial kind of um, factors there as well, haven't you? You know, uh, I know that, that, that your guests wear um, these types of sensor based yeah. um, magic bands. wristbands. Oh, magic bands, you call them. OK. Yeah, we call them magic yeah. bands. So they um, absolutely. So that's a I've got one here. All right. Um, so they uh, they're. Guests are certainly not required um, to, to, to use or interact with these, but uh, we find that many of our guests do. Um, they are RFID based mm-hmm. uh, and um, it, it allows for uh, both short range as well as long range um, interactions with, with physical assets to create you know, a digital sort of moments. So sure. for, you know, just at a very, from a very um, operational perspective, um, this can be your token to to enter your park, so that you don't necessarily have to fish out of your wallet mm. a um, you know a, a physical piece of media, yeah. uh, you know a ticket basically. Um, you know this this can this can operate as that. Same thing for our resort guests when they want to pay for merchandise or pay for their food and beverage or you know just get a you know just get a water etc. Mm-hmm. Um, this can be linked to their resort 
uh, folio charge account. Okay. Um, and they can just have this. So they're not necessarily, they don't necessarily have to carry around again, uh, you know, a credit card or, mm. you know, a gift card, mm. et cetera. This can, this can function as that particular token. It's also used um, for, you know, the cooler things, the things that I'm, I, I much more like to point out is, you know, sort of personalized moments and, and interactions that are, are um, cues that we have at some of our attractions. Um, for example, so when, uh, when a guest is, um, uh, is in the line for uh, our Expedition Everest attraction, which is at Disney's Animal Kingdom, mm -hmm. uh, it's themed around Everest and, you know, the, the abominable snowman or the Yeti. Um, when the guests are in queue, there are sensors, um, you know, where they are, but they're, they're, they're sensors within the queue infrastructure sure. that, um, that can sense that, you know, Samir has his magic band on and, um, you know, Samir has, has, has sort of with his own, his own digital online account with Disney and is an, is an optional, um, optional convenience uh, is uh, what we'll do is we'll change some of the signage within the queue to, to reflect Samir. So there may be a digital sign uh, promoting a particular fictitious, of course, um, you know, product, uh, yeah. you, know, yeah, yeah. you know, snow boots or something like that. Uh -huh. And it will say, you know, these are, these are the warmest snow boots I've ever worn, says Samir. Um, so as guests are going through the queue, they get just little kind of Easter eggs um, that are all predicated on, on being able to correctly identify that the guest is there and yeah. where the guest is. So um, uh, I can't talk much more about it. No, 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 no. I'm I'm fascinated that by that though. But it's yeah. I mean, look, that this is that is hyper personalization that you're talking about. It is. That is absolutely in the moment. Um, uh, slightly, um, you know, sort of minor. Was it Minority Report? Went or was it? <laughs> I don't yeah. mean to. I don't, but but when, no, no, no. What was the other one where, um, you know, as you walk past the advertising hoard? Oh, that was that was Minority Report. Oh, it was. Yeah. yeah. And then they yeah. sort of pick up on your eyes and suddenly they've got something for you. So yeah. it's, you know, yeah. and, and, and that's a lot of data that you're absolutely gathering right there. The Correct. streaming, the sensor data and so on. So you're are those are those real time decisions that you're then passing back to somebody as well? So from an operational perspective, I've got this band. And suddenly um, I'm, you know, it could be the eyeball effect as well. Maybe I'm overdoing it, right? But um, you, you've got a finite amount of stuff within the COVID related world. Mm -hmm. And suddenly a lot of rides are, are, are backing up. People are backing up in queues. Is that mm -hmm. also one of the things, use cases that you're using the wristband for to, to manage operationally the park? So, you know, as you say, the work that the sort of flow of people around it is, is easier and effective and people aren't bumping into each other and so on, you know, that's a pretty big task in of itself. It is, it is. And the great thing is that we've, we've had people, uh, we have people who are operating our parks and resorts who've been doing so for, for decades. Mm. So mm. they've got experience doing this under varying different conditions. They have experience doing this with various different technologies, you know, very, very minimal technology um, versus what we might have today through things like sensor-based, things like camera-based, et cetera. And what's great is that um, those people are really, really good at what they do at, at managing these parks. Mm -hmm. And what we're finding though, um, as I'm, I'm sort of a latecomer into this because I don't come from an operational background, but, but what's, what's great to see is that when you give those uh, extremely capable operators additional data, uh, like right. the ones that we're talking about. Yep. 
they're able to make much, much better decisions. And they're able to sort of squeeze much better efficiencies out of, uh, out of our assets. And then on, on, on the other side of, of the spectrum, you know, not from the operational, but more from the, the, the guest experiential perspective, we're absolutely able to give uh, guests a better experience. We're able to, you know, today, something that we can do that we couldn't do 10 years ago um, through the implementation of uh, mobile applications, through the implementation of a Wi-Fi network on property, through the implementation of sensor-based things like the Magic Bands, is that we can tell guests, regardless of where they are technically in the world, what are the wait times right now at Walt Disney World? So that I'm not wow. you know, take, taking my family in 100 degree heat you know, yeah. across, across a park, which can be a very long distance, particularly for you know, the little ones. And, and you know, finally finding out, oh, this line is you know, longer than I want to wait right now. Mm-hmm. So with the introduction of, um, of our remote publication and My Magic Plus, um, we're able to now tell somebody, you know, don't, don't go across the park to see what the line is like. This is what it is right now. We've also introduced enhancements to our virtual queue type process. So we're able to you know, keep people out of a queue. Right, um, okay. The technology, the technology is allowing us to, to, to have a virtual queue. And you've probably seen this at you know, some of your local restaurants, perhaps. So it's not a completely new innovation, but um, our guests certainly appreciate, you know, I'd rather go spend my time in, uh, you know, maybe in a shop or maybe interacting with a character, maybe taking photos, et cetera, rather than waiting in this queue that, you know, every few minutes moves forward, every few minutes moves forward. Again, health, safety, operational efficiency, but mm-hmm. also giving the guests a great experience, keeping them out of lines. And, and it's through this data, it's through the sensor network, yeah. it's through this technology, it's through this partnership that I've talked about, that we are able to do these things both for our own assets, as well as for the, the, the customers who are so generous with their time and money by, by visiting mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. I, I, I mean, that must be an exciting job, in, you know, just to be there and seeing it and doing it, which is phenomenal. You know, you mentioned something earlier, which I really w- want to pick up on. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's storytelling. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's a very, I think, uh, a, a tough thing to sort of hmm. be able to do. Um, certainly, you know, with data. I think it's a very, very tough uh, uh, message to convey. And actually, I, you know, you, you mentioned it earlier that you'd been in marketing. So, uh, you know, you, you, you've obviously got a talent to, uh, with words and, and to convey a message. W- what is the core of, of storytelling for you as a hmm. data scientist? Wow. That's a, I don't think I've ever been asked that question. I probably haven't put <laughs> conscious thought to it. So you're probably okay, going to give you a moment. On this one. But, but, but I'll, uh, so I, the, the first thing that comes to mind is empathy. Okay. Um, I think empathy is lacking in a lot of facets of our lives, but mm-hmm. certainly, mm-hmm. certainly when it comes to storytelling, because yeah. why am I telling a story? Um, from, from a data perspective, usually what I'm trying to do is yeah, I'm trying to help somebody make a decision that they didn't feel um, com- confident, comfortable, knowledgeable enough to, to sort of make on their own. So I need to have empathy for the problem that they're in, the problem that they're trying to solve. Um, and so one of the things, uh, for example, that w- you know, when I talk to, to clients um, is I ask them, what keeps you up at night? 
Um, what are the things that, you know, professionally, of course, um, what, what is it that you're, uh, what is it that you're just really unable to solve? What is the question that keeps coming back? What is it that you're being measured on? You know, mm -hmm. at the end of the year, what is your leader going to say you were successful because you accomplished X, Y, Z? What does your leader care about? Um, and having empathy for the position that we're all humans and they're just trying to solve a problem. They're trying to do something a little bit better than they did yesterday. They're trying to overcome this, this rub that they've just had in their professional life for five, 10, 15 years. And if I have empathy, then I'm going to probably bring my best self to the solution mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because I'm not going to, uh, I'm going to make sure that the solutions that I bring um, are tailor-made to the language that they speak in, that it's going to be something that is actionable, right? That, that, that's a qualifier we always put on our insights. Sure. It's got to be an actionable insight. Yep. If, if I tell you that, you know, left-handed people always behave this way and right-handed people always behave this other way, if you can't take any action off, action with off it. handedness, yeah. then it's, it's of no use. So having that empathy for, for the position they're in and what their limitations are helps me craft a much better solution for them. And having that information also helps me tell the story in such a way that it speaks to them, it resonates to them. Mm -hmm. Some people I, I, I work with, you know, they want to know about some of the nitty gritty things, you know, they want to know, you know, the, the, uh, the proverbial R square of this particular you know, oh boy. logistic regression that, that you know, or, oh or, sorry, linear regression that you build. You know, fine, you want to talk in that language? Totally fine talking with you in that language. Other people say, how do I sell more stuff to more people at a higher price? Yep. Different conversations. And so I'm going to tell very different stories when Absolutely. I'm talking with those, with, with those clients. So yeah. having empathy and, and, and taking the time to understand the values, the, what I refer to oftentimes as the currency mm -hmm. of the partner that you're working with, mm -hmm. uh, helps make for a much better story. I love that. I love that. And I've never heard that before around the values or the currency. And I understand what you're saying. What are their goals? Where, what, what do they need to achieve at the end of their uh, year or month or quarter or whatever it might be? Um, but, but absolutely being able to pin what you do from a data perspective and, and blend it with their narrative of what they need to go and, and, and say to others. And I think that's what you're sort of, you know, and, and I've, I haven't heard it like that, said like that before. I've heard it very much said, yes, if you have the PowerPoint like this and you, you know, provide the report like that and blah, blah, blah. But actually this, this, I love that the values and, and currency piece. I really do. So that, that brings me on to another point, actually. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's this big, big and um, huge uh, word within the data industry right now, and that's data literacy. It, mm. Is that something that has, has raised its, 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 you know, hairy head uh, at, um, at, at Disney? And is that something mm. that is talked about as a, ooh, we're really data illiterate or, you know, hmm. we need to get over this. Is that something that, that exists in that way? I will say that that's, that's not a, a specific term that, um, that we're using right now. Um, mm -hmm. That's not to say that we're not representing that same concept uh, in a different way. Yeah. Um, if, if I can, um, I'm probably going to project my own shortcomings onto that particular <laughs> question, but <laughs> okay. no one of the, uh, when, when I hear a term like data literacy, um, I think what, what kind of comes to mind is trying to understand the, uh, 
the limitations mm -hmm. of what we refer to as as data, right? Like data is one of those things. Information is another one. Insight is another one that depending upon who you're talking to, it kind of means something a little bit different. Sure. Um, so what I prefer to do, and maybe this is a way of helping to um, improve data literacy or, or minimize data illiteracy, mm -hmm. is I try to talk about the data in terms of its effects, what it can do, what it can't do, what I believe it can answer, what I feel that it will fall short on. And I, and I think as part of that, one of the questions that we, we do often ask ourselves um, uh, in, in, in terms of the, the scientific circles that I work in within, within the organization is if I have something that maybe I'm not 100% confident in, you know, there's some, there's some error around it, or maybe there's a possibility of a misunderstanding of a particular data element, what we try to do is ask ourselves, if we follow this conclusion, will it make things better or will it make things worse? Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, it's first that sort of physician do no harm type of thing. If if we feel that, you know, that something may be inaccurate or we may have a misunderstanding and we act off of that, do we feel that there is still, that we're going to make things worse? Because in many cases, you can have quote unquote bad data. You can have a quote unquote poor model, or you can have a quote unquote misunderstanding of what's going on, mm -hmm. but you're, you're not really going to hurt anything if you take an action off of that. Um, so we ask ourselves a lot, are we going to make things worse by following this conclusion? And we're wrong. You know, so we're thinking about in terms of the data scientists, we're talking about our type one and our type two errors. That, that's what that's what these things are. Is okay. What is the what is the cost of being wrong? Mm -hmm. What is the outcome or what is the the advantage of being right? So I think when we when if, if I were to start to introduce a concept around something called data literacy, it would really focus a lot on on those aspects of data. Where is it going to help us? Where is it going to hurt us? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I, I don't think I gave you a great answer there. No, 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 I, I, do you know what? I, I'm, I, I'm actually, that, that, that's, that, that's a really good answer because one of, the, one of the, not struggles, but one of the things that I'm continuously seeing is that everybody's saying that we're all data illiterate you know, 95% of finance teams are, are data illiterate, you know, um, leaders are data illiterate, and blah, blah, blah. But actually, what you've just said to me is, those guys really don't know what they don't know. Yeah, they don't know what what is in that data, they don't know what, what can happen, or what you can do with that data. And what you're saying to me is, I'm going to explain that to them, because I'm the experienced one. Mm. And I can speak in a way that is going to convey my understanding of the current situation of the data that we have, however, you know, whatever quality basis there is in that data. And then I'm going to say, well, with this, we can do X and you can have that outcome. Mm -hmm. And that may well help you, as you said, or it might, you know, and, and I have to look at the hurt aspect as well. So I think mm -hmm. that's actually really interesting because do you find that that drives a different conversation with your business partner? And, and what types of what types of feedback do you get from that as a data scientist? Sure, it it, it absolutely does, um, because when you start to frame it in the concept of risk and reward, um, people's mindsets often uh, well they they tend to grasp that a bit more, and there mm -hmm. is this sort of uh, cognitive bias that that almost all humans have, which yeah. is this like risk aversion, right? Like we'd much 
we'd much rather put our eggs in the risk aversion basket than in the reward basket for the most sure. part. Right. And so when you start framing it in terms of risk and reward, or what is the consequence of being right here? What is the consequence of being wrong here? What if we misuse this data or use it in a way that it shouldn't be mm -hmm. used? Um, then, then their, their way of thinking tends to sharpen, I have found. Okay. And, and in many cases, granted, I'm in a, I'm in a great position in that where I sit, um, very few of the decisions that I help support are going to result in somebody actually, you know, being hurt, you yeah. know, or, you know, a, a safety issue or somebody losing their entire checking account, you know, those types of things. I, I get it. I work for a theme park, right? Like, mm -hmm. so, so I have a very different set of, you know, a very different risk, risk profile than someone who may be in the pharmaceutical field or someone who sure. may be in the finance field, et cetera. But you know, that, that aside, what we often find lots of times is that the cost of being wrong is minimal. And, mm. and, and, and we find that we're, we're willing to make this decision. We're willing to take this, um, this particular uh, recommendation simply because if we don't, uh, we're really not any worse off than if we do. And, yeah. and, and we happen yeah. to have made a misstep. Because you're not learning about that, are you then? And I guess that's, that's the whole part of innovation that you've got to have that level of trust in doing something wrong to learn you know, something more about it or, or, you know, about the situation or the model or whatever it might be. But, you know, just to go back to that ecosystem, because mm -hmm. something touched, you know, that you touched upon right there and, and was about innovation. Disney has always been seen as an innovative company, you know, from the 1920s. Uh, when when Mickey was born and, you know, how that came out into to certainly my childhood and, and the, my, my memories. How is innovation um, captured in the essence mm. of Disney and, and, the, and, the, and the parks? How do you do you have a safe space somewhere to play around and to do that innovation with, you know, or do you have hackathons? Do you get together or, you know, is there a, a hub somewhere? How do you nurture that spirit of innovation? Yes, 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 and yes, all those things. Um, and so that's, that's one of the reasons why it's, it's, it's a really cool place to be. Um, yeah. And I, I wouldn't say that there is a cookie cutter, you know, every team approaches it the same way, mm. every segment approaches it the same way. Um, but I will say that there is 100% a culture of we want to do things differently um, with a set of well-established values and principles from which everything derives. So um, we have what we refer to as the five keys, and that sort of guides guides everything from a from a from a top-level perspective. And it's safety, courtesy, show, efficiency, and diversity. And so we work off of those particular uh, mm -hmm. principles. Mm -hmm. And what's great is that. Um, our, our senior leaders um, have, have come to us and, and, and regularly say, the way we're doing things is great for now, but that's not necessarily how we want to do things tomorrow. What can okay. you do to do things differently tomorrow? Okay. Uh, Josh, Josh tomorrow, who is, uh, who is the, the chairman of our particular segment, just, just recently uh, put out a video for, for, for all of our cats, where he really challenged us to think through 
doing our business differently. And I think, um, I can't remember exactly where I heard it, but the definition of innovation to me, um, and again, I'm stealing this from somebody else, is, <laughs> is that it's, it's changing before you have to. And that's, 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 cool. what, that's what Josh's message was to us, was let's change our, our parks before we have to, whatever that mm-hmm. means. So, you know, we've been successful here at Walt Disney World in launching our new Park Pass uh, Park Inventory Management System. So again, that's, that's sort of the underpinning reservation system that's making sure that we're keeping people distanced and we're not sure. overloading the parks, et cetera. That's something that we didn't have 12 months ago. But wow. we stood that up. We stood that up over uh, over the summer in, the, in mm-hmm. a matter of a few months, and that's mm-hmm. you know that's just kind of one example of of a of, of changing when we had to. But we need to start thinking about that in in terms of other aspects of our organization. And so the way we encourage that type of thinking is certainly through all the things that you um, that you just mentioned about uh, creating safe spaces for people to have ideas that challenge the status quo, right? Um, and 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 making sure that it's not we don't hear responses of, but that's not how we've done things. So we're not going to accept that. Right. Like we've, we've been running parks since 1955. Sure. <laughs> some, some things can stay the same, but yeah, many some things, things need have to change. to change. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. concept of cues, like what we have to have cues. Should we be having cues? You know, things like that. Oh, so if you're we, in England, it's good to have a cue. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we, uh, we definitely need to make sure that our UK visitors are in a comfortable space. Exactly. As well. Personalize it for me, please. Yeah, it, could be the, it could be the next attraction. It's the queue to get into the queue. And so it's, it's just a bunch of British people kind of standing in the yeah, line. And saying, just meandering and, and chatting and, you know, yeah, yeah it's perfect. Yeah. So we, we absolutely do things like like mm-hmm. hackathons. Um, you know, we have various innovation and incubator, uh, incubation uh, type of, of, of programs um, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the company as a whole um, has an incubation program where we invite people to come and showcase what can you do. Um, sure. And some great things have come out of that. Um, for example, we acquired a company uh, that participated in, and was a finalist in one of those programs, BAMTech. And that is now the underpinning for Disney Plus, our streaming. Oh stuff. wow! Okay. So it's it's not just a matter of sort of performative. Oh, that's cute. You built a nice thing. Yeah. It's no, we're, we're we want to see what you can do. Push the envelope. Show us things that, that we can't do. And, and if we think that there's value in that, we'll put we'll our money board, where our yeah. mouth is, and, and and we'll do that. That's awesome. So, uh, there there are definitely um, you know real tangible benefits to to this culture of innovation. Mm. Mm. Um, that just that just happens to be one of the most uh, obvious ones. Yeah, sure. So you know we're we're coming to the end of the show, and um, I I want to ask you one final question. Sure. Um, I I can't remember way back when when it was, but you know the data scientist was seen as the the most sexiest job mm. of the twenty first in you know twenty first century. Yeah. Where 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 do you think the the job of the data scientist is going to be in the next five years, maybe 10 mm. years. You know, the, you've seen that over time now. How, you know, you've seen how it's changed. Where do you think it's going? That's, that's a great question. And I, um, I wish I were prescient. I, <laughs> I, tend to, I tend to always fall short on these types of things. You know, like I don't, uh, I don't have a great eye for it, but, but maybe I could talk a little bit about kind of where I hope it goes. Hope it goes, absolutely. Um, yeah. Instead. Um, yeah. So, so I, I could take that. I, I want the data science as 
as much as I have data science in, in, in my title and I want it to be recognized and, and sometimes put on a little bit of a pedestal, um, look, at the end of the day, it is problem solving to help make decisions better. If that's mm-hmm. what a data scientist in, in, my, in my world um, is, is meant to do. And so I'm hoping that we kind of blend into the fabric and we're not seen as a, uh, uh, as a, as a sort of all in one, all encompassing can do it all type of sure. type of role mm-hmm. where it's just, you know, feed in a question, out comes a million dollars in revenue or you know, whatever, <laughs> whatever it is you're trying to maximize. Cause yep. that's, un- that's unrealistic. Yeah. Right. What, what I want to see is uh, maybe back to that concept of data literacy is, is a, as a more general, uh, amongst the, the general partners that we work with, a slightly elevated understanding and respect for what data is, but as much as that, what it is not. And then help bring us into their world um, where they share with us, again, what are their pains? What are their struggles? What's not working well? Um, and we can start to have conversations where it's not, I've got a problem, make it better. Sure. But you know, we can have a conversation of explaining, well, what is that problem? Why do you see that as a problem? When you say make it better, what do you mean by better? You know, and, and we can have a, a conversation with a common language mm-hmm. that allows us on the data science side to say, ah, I, I know of some data like that. Or, you know, let me go do some exploration on some data like that. Or I know of some uh, approachable algorithms or solutions or visualizations or whatever it happens to be. They don't need to be experts in that, but... I would like to see a bit more of, a, of an integration where there is not this sort of mysticism mm-hmm. about data science. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and we're just seen as other people who, who just, we just want to make things better. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. That's what I want to do. I, I want my leaders to have the confidence of their decisions. I want them to understand the risk and rewards of you know, the different options that are in front of them. I want them to feel convinced that, we have turned over every important stone that there is. Um, and so I think the data scientist will no longer be this, this, this mythical wizardy thing. Um, mm-hmm. And it will just be, ah, these are smart people who want to make things better and want us to, yeah. want us to be you know, more effective. Um, and so that's kind of how the data scientist will be seen. And, I don't and think that was a great answer, but that's-, that's I know, I think, that was, I think it was world. brilliant because it actually blends it more into a seamless- um, asset to the business. It, it's it's yes. more ingrained in the business. It doesn't necessarily have to be, as you said, oh my goodness, there's that magician over there. They're going to make yeah. us, you know, do amazing things. And I, I you know, th- that is completely wrong. I think what you've said is, is, is brilliant because it is about the decision-making or the actions or the outcomes. And basically you're just helping them navigate to that point and, yeah. and, and giving them a helping hand. So actually it, it, it's 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 a great answer. I, I you know I wasn't I wasn't looking for this you know Nostradamus you know the data scientist will be you know right. sitting sitting on a plinth somewhere and and being able to you know uh, visualize into the, into the future. No, I, I think the practical and pragmatic things are, are, are what I like about the answer, um, and and that's fantastic. Listen, Andrew Wright, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Um, so and just much. the last bit, where can people find you if they want to get in contact with you and ask you to come onto their show or, you know, yeah. just ask you some questions or, or get a job at Disney. Ah, well, <laughs> a job at Disney, man. Uh, yeah. If, if, 
Trust me, if, 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 if I were in the workforce right now trying to get a job at Disney, I think I would be, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure I would even hire myself. <laughs> oh, goodness. Uh, but uh, but I, I think um, one way that people can reach me is certainly through uh, through LinkedIn. Yeah. Andrew Wright. Um, I have an M because there are a billion Andrew Wrights. I'm sure. World. Yeah, so I'm, I'm Andrew M. Wright. Um, I am uh, certainly at Disney. Uh, please feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn. Um, I'd be more than happy to connect with you, talk with you about your various problems. Um, I, I I love talking about this type of stuff. As you can see, I will go on ad infinitum. I've got a few posts out there. I'm not super chatty on LinkedIn. I read a lot. I'm much more of a lurker. Mm -hmm. But I do have a few posts on there, particularly focused on uh, what, what are insights, how to create insights, the scientific method. Those are things that I walk every day in my life. And so those are the things that I really like to emphasize when people are asking me, how do I think about a problem? How do I tackle a problem? What do I need to be learning? I'm going to always come back to those things, but please feel free to connect with me. Um, and I, I'd be happy to talk with you about uh, anything. <laughs> and I think you'll probably talk to them about chicken nuggets as well, wouldn't you? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, nuggets factor in very heavily in my last speech. Uh, yes. at DDAX, so, um, so yeah, I would which love I didn't to get to, to about... see. But, you know, um, I certainly read and, and saw the pictures of very many chicken nuggets being dipped into sauce. So, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. Aren't we all just looking for nuggets? Like at the end of the day, <laughs> you know, you walk into meetings. So like, just give us the nuggets. We want the nuggets. So that's absolutely. kind of where And the from. golden ones. Well, look, it's, it's, it's been an absolute pleasure. And I've, I've really enjoyed speaking yeah. to you. So thank you um, so much, Samir. I, pre I appreciate it. Thank you. Time. Thank you. Yeah. I really do appreciate it. Take care. Have a good day. Yes, you Bye. too.